Hello, everybody. This is your host, Sophia Nelson, and welcome to the One America podcast. This is a special segment that I wanted to do today on November 22nd, 2021, which is the 58th anniversary of the assassination of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Now, for those of you who have followed me uh, for years, you know that uh, one of my favorite American presidents after Abraham Lincoln is John F. Kennedy. Uh, Although a Democrat, uh, and we know that I am or was a lifelong moderate Republican, I like to underscore that I'm a Margaret Chase Smith, Everett Dirksen, George H.W. Bush, a Gerald Ford, uh, um, uh, Earl Warren, former governor of California, um, chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, I could go on and on at the kind of Republican that I was now an independent, but John F. Kennedy would have been conservative uh, in this day by standards of his party. Uh, he would have been uh, more of a moderate Republican uh, than a progressive Democrat for sure. But uh, of the many things I love about President Kennedy, um, his wife Jacqueline and her elegance and grace, uh, the whole Camelot era, the new frontier, um, he was an amazing orator. And I was at a dinner uh, party last night and um, everyone in the room but me was alive at that time. And uh, my parents, I've listened to them talk about this many times, my grand mother, my paternal grandmother, when she was alive, had a picture of President Kennedy and Dr. King and RFK in her house, as did many households at the time. And I remember seeing that growing up. I remember I'd go to the barbershop with my father in a historic Lawnside, New Jersey, which was an underground railroad stop and uh, just outside of Philadelphia. And they had a picture of President Kennedy there. And I vividly remember that. And so as everyone was talking last night, I asked them all, well, where were you uh, when President Kennedy was shot? What were you doing? And my mom at the time was a uh, a junior in high school. Uh, my dad was already enlisted in the United States Army and had been in about a year at that time. And um, my uh, friends who we were at their home having dinner were talking about where they were. And uh, one of them was as young as seven. But everybody in that room, from the 7-year-old to the 15-year-old, 16-year-old, my mother, remembered exactly what they were doing. They all talked about hearing their mothers let out a wail of sorts that they had never heard before. Shouts of, he's gone. Uh, They've shot the president. Neighbors running out into the streets, sad. Uh, It didn't matter what color. It didn't matter uh, what their politics were. They were all very sad because... He was the president of the United States, and I'd like to start there today as I, if you are following me on Twitter at I am Sophia Nelson, I had a thread that I did late last night before bed because my heart is heavy. My heart is very heavy. I'm troubled about where we are as the great United States of America. Post the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, the Ahmad Arbery trial of the three men who murdered him will be decided probably this week. We'll have another verdict. And it's hard not to, if you're African-American in this country right now of a certain age, to feel like we're going backwards in many ways and to feel like in broad daylight, three, I'm going to just say it, redneck boys with a truck and a shotgun uh, hunted down in broad daylight a young man who was doing nothing but jogging. He wasn't running. He was jogging. He was exercising. And they decided he was out of place. As the one guy said, he was weird. Uh, it was strange. 
So now we shoot and kill weird, strange people or people who we think are out of place. And more and more and more, and I am an avid supporter of the Second Amendment, as you all know. I have guns. I belong to gun clubs. I believe strongly in the right to keep and bear arms. But I am struggling with this vigilantism where a certain section of our population feels entitled to take their gun and just go out and hunt people and to uh, stand their ground. And why is it always against a black man who has no weapon, yet the person with the weapon and who shoots somebody dead, including our peace police officers, why is it that they are always the ones that were afraid for their life when they had the weapon and the other person was unarmed? Think about the images that that conjures up of our worst stereotypes, the worst of us, not the best of us, the darkness and not the light. And I'm troubled. I have never been this worried about America as I am at this moment. We are out of control. The Congress is a joke. The Republican Party under Kevin McCarthy is a disgrace. They can't even do the most basic of things, like say that it is wrong for a member of Congress to have a meme animated about killing one of his colleagues, a woman of color, and killing the sitting president of the United States of America. If we can't agree on the most basic code of ethics and decency and respect and civility, our most common thread is as President Kennedy once said in his famous speech at American University is that we're all human and that we all inhabit this planet and we all breathe the same air. And in that speech, in his Pax Americana speech, famous speech again at my alma mater, American University, please Google it, look it up, listen to it with your kids later today. But it's a great speech about the nuclear uh, test ban and the nuclear race at the time between the Soviet Union and the United States this is post the Cuban Missile Crisis. And a young John F. Kennedy is, is an optimist. And he's telling people that we've got to do better with these weapons of mass destruction that we have, folks. Because if all we're going to do is build more arms and, and, and do more damage to one another, um, then our most precious asset, our children, will be the losers. And, and he says this um, in another speech. Um, that I think is, is an important point to make here. Um, he talks about, uh, with all of the history of war and the human race's history, unfortunately has been a good deal more war than peace. He's right. With nuclear weapons distributed all through the world and available and the strong reluctance of any people to accept defeat, I see the possibility in the 1970s, this is John F. Kennedy talking in 1963, of the President of the United States having to face a world in which 15 or 20 or 25 nations may have these weapons, end quote. Now, I want to flip that a little bit and change that to guns. Again, our Constitution is clear. The people have the right to keep and bear arms. Our founders felt strongly about that. It is probably the only reason we defeated the British Empire during the Revolutionary War. Had Americans not had guns and not had muskets and been armed and able to get arms, we would have lost and we would still be singing um, um, God Save the Queen. That's what we'd be saying instead of God Bless America. And if you take President Kennedy's point and you extrapolate it out into guns, and now everybody's got guns. And now you can have a lot of guns. And you can have guns that the police don't have. And you can have guns that the military has. And you can use those to 
go to a protest. You can be driven to a place that is not your home. You can have a weapon that you shouldn't have in your possession at your age and under the laws of the state that you left. And go to another state, call yourself a medic, say that you are helping people, shoot two people dead, wound another severely, and not have any consequence. That's a problem. And it's particularly a problem when we saw that in the same state of Wisconsin, a young black woman who was 17 who was being sex trafficked and raped by her assailant shot him in self-defense and she is in jail awaiting an appeal. Same age, different circumstances. She most certainly was defending herself. She didn't go to the danger. She didn't go to a protest. This is why your black neighbors and friends are upset, folks. I want to speak to my white listeners. and You know that I am probably the most fair person when it comes to letting other voices be heard. I believe in having conservative white men on this show, conservative women, liberals, progressives, uh, people who believe in the Second Amendment, people who don't, people who believe in in pro-life and people who don't, um, because that's America. We should hear all of our voices. And I'm going to have some LGBTQ plus folks on this show, too, because I think that's important. I haven't done that, and I need to do that, and I'm looking forward. I have a few people who I'm interested in inviting, and I want to have them come on and talk about the issues that affect that community as well because I think that that's something I haven't done, and upon reflection, I need to do a better job of it because, again, we need to hear every voice and not just some voices. But back to the point of this podcast. The point of the podcast is this, is that On this day, President John F. Kennedy, America's 35th president, our youngest ever elected president of the United States. Teddy Roosevelt was the youngest, but he became president because he was vice president and President Harrison was shot to death. So uh, John F. Kennedy was the youngest elected president of the United States. And America still hasn't gotten over his death for a lot of reasons. And I want to talk about that and put that quickly into the context of where we are today. Because again, I wanted to mark this assassination date with some reflection about where we find ourselves 58 years later. And I believe his death radically changed the course of policy in the United States and Vietnam uh, with nuclear weapons and and many other policies that I think uh, had he had a second term, um, the course of history would have been different. There probably would not have been a Vietnam War because President Kennedy was already looking at withdrawing the advisors that we had since Eisenhower was president. So here are my thoughts. Sorry, I had to take a swig of coffee. It's early in the morning. My thoughts are this, that America is in a very delicate place relative to whether or not this republic will stand. And that is not hyperbole. That is not being uh, overly fearful or any of the sort. Uh, But when you look at where we are on voting rights, when you look at where we are on civil rights, when you look at where we are on gun rights, when you look at where we are on education, where you look at how divided this country is on things that are basic, like a 17-year-old having a gun and murdering two people, and he walks, and a good portion of our country celebrates that and calls him a hero. Kyle Rittenhouse had $2 million raised for his legal defense fund. He had O.J. Simpson's lawyers to help him. He had mock trials. He had the best defense money could buy. This is a poor kid, working class kid from nowhere. And this is where we are. And we're about to go through it again with this Ahmaud Arbery 
verdict, whatever it's going to be. And when I think of President Kennedy, and I think particularly of his speech given in June of 1963, uh, during the height of the civil rights, furor in our country where African Americans were being attacked, hosed, bitten by dogs. And President Kennedy uh, makes this amazing speech about uh, where America finds itself in June of 1963. And again, I want to encourage you to pull that speech up, sit down with your kids, and let them listen to America's 35th president talk about um, exactly what I think we need to hear today. And I want to talk with you about that just a little bit. I want to quote President Kennedy. And I think it is a powerful reminder uh, that right now what we're dealing with isn't so much about division and race and who's conservative and who's liberal and who's progressive. It's about morality and it's about who we are going to be as the United States of America. Have we made progress or haven't we? Yes, we had a black president. That doesn't seem to have had much impact, does it? Because if our checkbox is only that we had a black president and social justice doesn't matter and racial justice doesn't matter and policing reform doesn't matter and basic civility one to another doesn't matter, we've got a problem. And I want to read to you what President Kennedy said on uh, that night. By the way, the same night that John F. Kennedy gave this speech, in June of 1963, Medgar Evers was murdered at his home. Murdered by Byron D. LeBeckwith. And was murdered at his home. And here's what President Kennedy said. We are confronted primarily with a moral issue. It is old as the scriptures and is as clear as the American Constitution. The heart of the question is whether all Americans are to be afforded equal rights and equal opportunities whether we are going to treat our fellow Americans as we want to be treated. If an American, because his skin is dark, cannot eat lunch in a restaurant open to the public, if he cannot send his children to the best public schools available, if he cannot vote for the public officials who will represent him, if, in short, he cannot enjoy the full and free life which all of us want, then who among us would be content to have the color of his skin changed and stand in his place? Who among us would then be content with the counsels of patience and delay? Stop, 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 stop. President Kennedy said a whole big word there. Because right now I hear politicians and I see well-meaning white moderate brothers and sisters, friends of mine tell me, well, you know, Sophia, change takes time and the black community just needs to be patient and understand. And, you know, other people see it different on critical race theory and other people see it different around voting rights. And, you know, I'm a white person and my rights are under attack and I'm being discriminated against. Folks, we're going to have to do better than this. That is just some make-believe ridiculousness. If you are white in the United States of America, you are not being discriminated against. You are not subject to the death penalty every day as I am and as other black people are if we drive in our car and are stopped by a policeman and that policeman decides that he needs to pull his weapon because we looked the wrong way or we didn't move fast enough or we moved in the wrong direction or we weren't respectful enough. Apparently, we can't jog while we're black. We can't go into a store while we're black. We can't bird watch while we're black. We can't sit in a college dorm room while we're black. Our children can't play with toy guns while they're black. Tamir Rice shot 
with weapons of mass destruction by two police officers outside of Chicago when neighbors saw a little black boy at 12 years old playing with what they believed was a gun. It was a toy gun. Little boys play with toy guns. Little black boys can't play with toy guns. Is that what we're saying, America? Shot to death. But Kyle Rittenhouse can walk through the streets with an AR-15 brandished out and open and cops look the other way. You're going to tell me there's not two systems of justice in this country? You're going to tell me there's not two Americas? One black, one white? Because if you're telling me that, you're telling me that through a white lens. And you're telling me that because you don't experience it. And you're telling me that because it doesn't affect you. And that can't be the America that we leave to our children. President Kennedy's words in 1963 still ring true in 2021, 58 years later. So again, I'll ask you, how much progress have we made? I'm going to end this podcast today with, with, I'm going to read to you what is my penned tweet on my Twitter feed. And if you haven't read it, I hope that you will. Because it is, again, I am troubled. I am losing sleep I don't like seeing neighbor against neighbor. I don't like seeing friend against friend. I don't like seeing countrymen against countrymen. I do not like where we are. It is not sustainable. This republic will not stand if we keep this up. And most of all, our enemies are watching. They're watching us abuse each other, cancel each other, disrespect each other, be incivil and uncivil to one another. And they're laughing at those stupid ass Americans at it again over race. Fighting what they've been fighting since 1607 and 1619 and 1776 and 1860. We're at it again. We never seem to get this one right. My last words are this. I want to ask all of my followers, in this case listeners, to use this week of Thanksgiving to ask yourself some hard questions about you, your circle of friends, your values, and about the America we live in right now. Circa 2021. Is this who we want to be? Is this how our great experiment ends? We are very angry. We are divided. Very unkind nation. One to another. Such vengeance. Such venom. Such racial animus. Such fear. It's going to break us. We are polarized by our tribes, LGBTQ+, Black, White, Latinx, Asian, Christian, Second Amendment, MAGA, married, single, childless, moms, Jewish, Muslim, straight, conservative, progressive, versus our shared humanity. We don't see each other as good people to be known first. This past week, it's been hard to watch the reactions to the Ahmaud Arbery trial, Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Now, some nut runs into a group of peaceful people in Waukesha, Wisconsin, at a Christmas parade. We are so filled with wanting to destroy our fellow countrymen and at best cancel them away. If we do not fight, if we do not figure this out soon, the great American house will fall. It cannot stand divided. Our greatest enemy is not a virus or China or Russia. It is us. We are our greatest enemy, us from within. To my white brethren, you have got to stop telling black and brown people that there is no racism and that it doesn't affect our lives daily. It does. You have no clue, none. How could you? So please stop talking over us and try to listen without making it about you. We're in the fight for our national soul. We have fascists among us, authoritarians, the far right insurrectionists, the way too woke crowd that wants to police unpc thoughts and words. I know 
I got canceled for asking a question on Twitter about a comic book character. We are uncivil, mean. We want to teach people lessons, call them out versus calling them in. Dialogue is dead. We rage instead. We want everyone to feel the consequences of their actions when they offend us, upset us, challenge us until it happens to us. The problem with the way we are living is that it's not sustainable in a democratic republic. It's not. We aren't built for this kind of chaos, rejection of our institutions, and rebellion against common sense things like vaccines, elections, voting rights. America, we have a serious problem. And it's going to take all of us in this middle, the center left, and the center right to fix it. Or we are sunk. This isn't hyperbole. Look at us. Take a hard look and ask yourself what becomes of America in a decade or two. I am deeply afraid. That's my last word on this podcast, on this. As we have this week of Thanksgiving, and as we remember President John Fitzgerald Kennedy, our 35th president, I ask you to call to something higher, something lighter, something better. I ask you to do what you can in your neighborhood, in your community, in your groups, in your clubs, in your church. I ask you to reach out to people that don't look like you. Extend your hand. We invite someone to our table every year that we don't know. Year before last, it was a veteran, a homeless veteran and his girlfriend. And in a sea of all black people, there was this white couple. And they had the best time. And they were loved. And they were welcome. And they are still good friends to this day. And every year, they call to just say thank you. We got to stop looking at our tribe, our religion, where we come from, what we grew up with. And we got to start seeing our shared humanity. Because if we do not, we're done. We will no longer be that shining city on a hill. We will no longer be that light. Folks, there's no doubt America has a sinful, odious, awful past with respect to race. But the question is, will this generation, this new generation of Americans, to borrow a phrase, will we continue down that dark path or will we do better? Will we be light? Will we leave something better for our nieces and nephews, our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and on and on? The responsibility is ours. The path rests with us. So I'm going to challenge you as I'm challenging myself to do better, to be better, to live higher. Like I said, I could be uh, pretty bitter with the LGBTQ plus community right now. I feel like they've treated me horribly at Christopher Newport University. The administration, the faculty, the students uh, handled me with uh, incivility, with uh, unkindness, with unfairness. Uh, and I could be very bitter and I could use my very big platform to exact vengeance and to call people out and to to get a whole lot of people who would be inclined to agree with that kind of behavior on my side. Trust me, I've gotten the calls. I've been offered platforms that I've turned down from people who I find offensive, people who feel like I haven't been treated well, but I will not align myself with them because that is not the right way to do this. I'm going to reach out to this community and I'm going to create dialogue. Um, And that is my commitment as we enter next year. But I want to just encourage us to stop canceling people and to start calling people in and not out 
and to stop thinking that we can exact consequences on people's lives because that's not our job. None of us has that power. We're not God. That's God's power. That's not our power. And we need to show a little grace, folks. We need to be a little nicer. We need to ask people questions when we don't understand. We need to sit down and have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine. We need to be civil. Uh, We're breaking each other and we're breaking our country in the process. I, for one, will not participate in that because I love America too much. I, for one, will strive to be light. I, for one, will strive to go high when others go low. Um, That's my commitment to you and my listeners. So remembering President Kennedy today, uh, thankful for this week of Thanksgiving. Um, Pause and ask yourself what you're grateful for. Uh, Tell your family that you love them. If you have a family, you are blessed beyond measure because so many people have nobody, no one and nothing. Remember to help the homeless and those people who need to eat every day, not just one day. Give of your food, give of your money, give of your treasure. Help people because at the end of the day, that's all you take with you is the love. All right, guys, God bless you, God keep you, and God bless the United States of America. Happy Thanksgiving.